Welcome to Jewish History with Rabbi David Katz, connecting the human side to Jewish history. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi. You know, Pesach is coming around the corner, which means in my business I have to get ready for Shabbos Agol, speech and stuff like that, and some Seder ideas. So I'm going to take advantage of a few minutes now. Even though I did a podcast earlier today, I'm gonna, maybe I can do the Parsha now and send it out. <coughs> Let me take a whack at it. Uh, this Parsha podcast is being sponsored by Benson Landau, Mr. and Mrs. in Yerushalayim, I believe. Uh, they sponsored in the past. Very grateful. <coughs> He'd like me to do the point of merits. I'll get around to that eventually. But right now, I appreciate <coughs> the opportunity to sponsor this week. And um, as I do with all the people who listen, uh, <clears throat> sooner or later we'll go down the list of everybody. There'll be nobody left. Uh, but <clears throat> right now, <clears throat> I'm nursing a cold. Right now, I want to take a look at the partial, which is this week, of course, a double partial. It's Bayako Pekudis. My bar mitzvah partial is Bayako. <clears throat> Boy, what a traumatic experience that was <clears throat> many, many years ago. But my father forced me to do it. And as a result of that, <clears throat> I became Balkari off and on, you know, that's one of the skills. And once you enter the Balkari world, that helps you a lot with a lot of things, especially Chumash and Dikduk and things of that nature. And ever since then, you know, I've always been into all that kind of stuff. <clears throat> Although now, I have the luxury, um, I want to recommend, give a shout out. A student of mine has a, um, a podcast in Israel. Called Sof Pasuk, Sof Pasuk, Donnie Rose. And now, and he's a super fanatic into all the uh, Balkaris and stuff. The world is divided into two types there's the Balkaris and the normal people. But those of us who are Balkaris, you know, whether permanently or off and on, and as the occasion has it, we represent a special nut group. And we're interested, you know, in all kinds of little issues of the Parsha and so forth, especially once you get to older. And now I form all my questions out to him. I don't have to bother to look it up. I sent him a thing about Hodavad Kush the other day. He actually caught me. I, this is a student of mine from years ago, one of my best, that he caught me on a tuk business, which is shame on me, but I'm very happy <coughs> when that happens. Anyway, I won't bore you with it. If you want to hear, if you're, if you're at all the Balkari type or interested in the addictive questions, or the Trump questions that have to do with the partial, which is really a fascinating area, even though it's not for the broad public. Listen to Sof Pasuk. These are perfectionists. You'll get good stuff. Okay. But Vayakil, the regular Vayakil, I'll tell you what struck me. I was speaking about it with the show tonight, and since I had the idea, I'm going to send it out. <coughs> As we all know, Vayakil Pekuti is where they put together the Mishkan and then give the accounting. <coughs> Um, but it's also where you have the two kinds of Mishkans, if I can make this suggestion. The physical Mishkan and Shabbos, which is the non-physical Mishkan. Because at the very beginning, of course, in the parasha, it says, Vayakil Moshe is called Das Israel. 
Moshe gets everybody together and he says, Here's what's going to happen as far as the Mishkan is concerned, although he doesn't say those words. But first he prefaces, as we all know, a very brief uh, uh, talk about Shabbos, which Chazal, of course, say, <coughs> famous Rashi, of course, at Hikdim Lahem Azhar Shabbos, the Bini, the with a Tivoy, Lechaz Mishkan, Lomar Shane Adoche, that's a Shabbos. Building the Mishkan does not take place on Saturday. So, right at the very beginning of the discussion, <coughs> we have the juxtaposition of the two models, the Mishkan and Shabbos. Now, when the Mishkan was up, it was Dochas Shabbos, right? Basin Mishkan is a place where work is done on Saturday. You know what I mean? No, it's not. Machal Shabbos, because it's part of the original regulations, but the carbon tablet and all that business, there is Malachab done according to the Torah with specific carbonus and ceremonies on Saturdays. <laughs> Right? I mean, that's how it goes. That's how it goes. Now, not the building of it. Not the building of it. So it's just interesting to me that at the very, very beginning of Jewish people's encounter with a physical Mishkan, there's a mention also of Shabbos, and Shabbos comes first. It's not Docha Shabbos. Isn't that interesting? And I'll tell you what I think. Because that's all I ever do. There's a physical Mishkan, and there's a non-physical Mishkan. The physical Mishkan is what Vayakal Pagudi is all about. Shabbos has served the Jewish people as a non-physical Mishkan. And I'm not talking like a rabbi, I'm saying, you know, speaking, I think it's a Matthias. It's a Mishkan in time. What is it that keeps the Jewish people as Jewish? It's not a Mishkan. We haven't had a Mishkan for a long time. We haven't had a base of Mishkan for a long time. And to be perfectly honest, as far as I can tell, as I've said many times, it's totally possible to be a good Jew and go to heaven without a base of English. You know, I think the Vilna Gong went to heaven, <laughs> right? I think the Rambam went to heaven. I think Rabbi Hidanosi went to heaven. I think they lived righteous lives. <clears throat> they didn't have a base of English. Now, obviously, there's more Kedusha, etc. But having said that, it is possible for a person to live a very fully Ruchniyazdika type of life. Without a base of it's, it's it's kind of interesting. <clears throat> now let's contrast that. Is it possible to have a Jewish life without a Shabbos? The answer is no. As I mentioned earlier this evening, <clears throat> we're now living in a period of at least 200 years of Jewish history in which this is being empirically verified. Throughout Jewish history, there's always been a Shabbos. I'm not talking about keeping out all the 150,000 Malachas. Because not everybody knows those things. Not everybody has ever been throughout Jewish history <clears throat> a Mishnah Burr person, to use that expression. But nevertheless, every Jewish family was connected to Shabbos in the old country. Before, before 200 years ago. I repeat, they didn't keep everything, but you did, it, but it was Shabbos. They kept the basics. Um, and that meant you had an island in time. And wherever Jews were, they tried to create an island in culture. And that kind of worked. That was a Mikdash. Um, Malcolm Begin, actually, if you go online, has a very nice speech about this. And on the other hand, now, the last 200 years or so, 250 years, the attempt has been made to have a Judaism, a viable Judaism without Shabbos. It doesn't work. I would even go so far as to say 
that they, when I was young, they talked about the big three. Shabbos, Kashos, Tarsus, and Mishpacha. Experience has shown that, um, you know, I mean, I know this personally. I know people that are, it's going to sound like oxymoron. I know people that were observant they didn't keep the Tarsus and Mishpacha right. Um, but they kept the Shabbos and Kashos right. But I also knew people, especially years ago, used to see this. They didn't keep Shabbos and they kept kosher. Maybe you had relatives like this also. Maybe you still do. They didn't sh- keep Shabbos, they kept Kashas. It didn't work. It's Nishkagangan. Without the, the Shabbos is like the basic. So it turns out the one could give a rational reason for this, necessary to establish a, a bastion of cultural insularity if one wants to retain his distinct and separate group identity. I could speak sociologically. Alternatively, you can speak in a loftier vein. Mm. There's a very interesting Rabbeinu B'chayim <clears throat> this week's Parsha. Very interesting. Um, where is it? Let me find it here. In the beginning of Yaakov, and he's wondering at the very sparse language that Moses uses when he discusses Shabbos in this week's Parsha as opposed to earlier Parshas. Last week's Parsha in Kisisa, very elaborate, and listen to the language. Means as an intimate uh, business between me and Klal Yisrael. That's a very passionate, mystical language. This Shabbos of mysticism. You know what <coughs> Look here. This is Rabbeinu Chai, the beginning of Bayako. Like I just told you, this is the Bain of Chayab. Moshe does not give a whole elaborate business describing Shabbos, especially in, in, in passion and detail, the way he did in last week's Parsha. We have all these as horrors and warnings. Keep Shabbos, keep Shabbos. It's not in this week's Parsha. Why? Why not? After all, he's talking about Shabbos being Docha, Binyan, Hamishkan. Al Kane near Alip, therefore the Ben of Chaya suggests, Shanir Maslona Bukan, listen closely, Shain Legalos in Yonim Nistern Bahamun. Now, when you speak to a mass audience, you don't discuss sublime matters, they can't handle it. Right? Last week, he, he said, just keep Shabbos. Last week, he was talking about Shabbos Yonah, the sublime Shabbos. Back before, Moshe was talking to a more select audience, and he got into the more um, spiritual, ruchnius, Kabbalistic, whatever you want to call it, side of Shabbos, he could explain those. Uh, this set of inyonim nistrim, the Shabbos is not simply going to be one day in the week. It's not simply going to be a day of a bunch of don'ts, but it's going to have a lot of what you and I would call the Yisera type stuff. Isn't that interesting? 
that God said, I want you to tell the Jewish people as a whole to keep Shabbos. Don't turn on the lights. Don't drive a car. But only for the Echidi Yisrael, I, God, am telling you, suggest Rebbeinu B'chayim, should you tell the powerful spiritual side of Shabbos, right? The secrets that Shabbos contains about uh, nature and mystery and, 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 and uh, Elokos and things like that. That's why I said here, Dabra Bnei Yisrael, which means when you speak to the Bnei Yisrael, which the Bnei Yisrael understands the elites, you'll deal him in Shabbos Nigel Minister. Then you can tell him the full business of what Shabbos is. I will con, but in this week's parsha, Vayakel, Vayakel Moshe's call Adas Bnei Yisrael, Yedaber Bahamun. He spoke to the whole undifferentiated mass of the Jewish people. And as I said many times, not everybody left Egypt with such a high madriga. They're all types. To them, lo his kimirimze shamas el yona, nister davar. Isn't that interesting? So Moshe just told him, don't turn on lights. <laughs> right? Very brief. He would have told him the ABCs of Shabbos in a very short way. Right? And he says, we learn from here, this is fascinating, the Rebbein of Chai, who was a mystic, that mysticism is not to be discussed in a public forum, but only for Yechidi Skula. This is the old model before <clears throat> the Zohar and everything was published. This is like Ramban talks about in his hints, in his Pirish on the Torah, them being contemporaries, more or less, uh, Ramban and Ben Ochaim, more or less, same time, uh, you know, in the same place in Spain. Certain things are meant to be in the public domain, certain things are not meant to be public domain. V'ni Moshe Pasach Lonu Pesach Bitoch Dvorov Lahalim Sisri Torah. Moshe, by using the language he did in this week's Parsha, by being, being very brief and sparse, and simply saying, you know, uh, by being very brief like that, uh, Moshe was telling you, when you do Vayakel, when you give a speech in public, regular audience, stick to Hulk Shabbos. Now, you and I don't live in such a period now. You and I live in a time when actually people, first of all, they opened up the Kabbalah stuff a thousand years ago, and second of all, um, people like that, Hasidus, and you know, there are tons of swarm come out all the time. The sodas are Shabbos, the Rosa is Shabbos, and all this kind of business. And he's saying, you know, it's not necessary for everybody because they're misinterpreted. Um, which is very interesting. Now, I'll tell you what I think it means. When I said Shabbos is more effective as a Mishkan than the Mishkan was, I wasn't being cutesy. Uh, the Shabbos is an institution has grounded the Jewish people in a distinct identity, and perhaps as, as a um, relationship with God, I mean, that's arguable. Uh, much more than Mishkan did, because the Mishkan, based Mishkan, had a spotty history in Judaism, as I've mentioned in the past. We haven't had the greatest experiences with um, with Mishkans and things like that. Well, Mishkan, not so bad. Based Mishkan, it's not so good. Shabbos, they always had a good experience. The problem in Jewish history is when they didn't keep the Shabbos. <clears throat> you understand? <clears throat> now, to me, the most striking thing 
is as follows. Other than the fact that one is physical and one is not physical. The Chavez, of course, is not physical. And the Michigan is. It strikes me very powerfully. I mentioned tonight that the Michigan is full of do's and Shabbos is all don'ts. I'm talking about the derisa, the essential Shabbos. <clears throat> as far as I can understand, we're talking about Minatora, they're very little assays. Right? You know, Kiddish, you know, Zachas, you know, Shabbos, things like that. Very little. There's no telling what to do. There's a bunch of what to, what, what you're not allowed to do. There's a bunch of don'ts. 30 Amalochas, various things like that. Um, however you play with that. A lot of don'ts. But not a lot of do's. Now, what does that mean? I'll tell you what it means to me. <clears throat> they have two different models of a, a Kedusha or something like that. One is a very rigid model with exact specifications. That's the base makes the Mishkan model. As we know in this week's Parsha, everything was built to exact specifications according to precise instructions under detailed guidance of Betzal and Aliyah and so forth with no deviation allowed. Once the Mishkan is in running order, everything has to be done just so. Any deviation, frankly, can get you killed. Look at none of an avio. Um, that's the model. <clears throat> can I call the Yekish approach? There's a right way and the only way to do this mitzvah, which is true. At the end of the day, there's only one way to do a carbon chatas. There's only one way you're allowed to do a carbonola and so forth. And that's one way. So I have to adjust myself to it. Now I'm going to contrast that with Shabbos. If there are no do's or hardly any, just a bunch of don'ts, that allows a whole big variation. Everybody can do Shabbos the way it works for him and her, expressive of their own personality. Their own shave it, maybe, in the times of the Bible. <clears throat> you know, who knows? The Shabbos, uh, throughout Jewish history, has had common features, of course. But the common features are mainly associated with the don'ts, with the malachas, with the isurim. The rabbis, over the course of centuries, developed a bunch of rabbinic institutions. But the essential Shabbos was, you know, you, you refrain from working, and you remember God created the world, or something like that. And the rest of it is up to you. So I'm asking you the following question. What was Shabbos like? Time of David and Malach, or the early biblical period and all the rest of it, before he had all drop on us. It's an interesting question. I know what you're not allowed to do. You can't milk the animals and so forth, you know. I mean, I get that. But what did they do? They didn't go to Shul. They didn't have Kriya Zatora. They didn't have Shachim Um, I don't think they had the three meals the same way. Like, what was Shabbos, right? There was no such thing as lighting candles. That came later. See what I'm saying? Believe it or not, Moshe Rabbeinu did not sing Shalom Aleichem. <coughs> so what was Shabbos? The answer is, it was something. They invested it whatever it worked 3,000 years ago. If I did it today, living in the year 2021, probably wouldn't mean much to me. I have evolved in my life, and so have you, or our parents, or whatever, our civilization, the Shabbos that works for us. Always room for improvement. No question about that. Right? Always room for improvement. I'm talking about on the do's. You can always create a new at, at, atmosphere of Shabbos and, you know, add to it. And we, you know, from time to time that happens. The don'ts are the don'ts. Um, a lot of us spend time on the don'ts. 
trying to avoid that which is usher, which is a whole science as we know. Um, certainly is. If you're in my business in the rabbinate, you know, I spent a lot of time on the don'ts. You know, people ask you shows about the don'ts. But the do's, you know, uh, you don't get shows in that. That has to work out. Now, what they do in Baltimore might not be identical to what they do in Yerushalayim. What they do in B'nai Brak might not be identical to what they do in Persia or in other places. I was mentioning before to a different audience that they used to have Beitach Futsot in Israel. Some of you may remember that. And they had this, it's, you know, the technology is out of date, of course. They had this thing on the wall where you could see a Shabbos room in different times in history. This is, a Shabbos, this is what a Jewish house looked like on a Shabbos morning in Yemen in this century, in Italy in that century, in Germany or Poland in another century. And what you always found was, yes, the furniture is different, the climate is different, but there was always some kind of a Shabbos lamp. Today we don't have that, we have electricity and all that. And there was always some kind of pot of chong, if I remember correctly. Not to be funny about it at all. You know, chamin, there was always the Sabbath food. There's certain commonalities in there. And what that meant was, the Jews in Italy did it in a way that worked for them. The Jews in, um, you know, North Africa did it in a way that worked for them. That wouldn't necessarily work for the way a Jew living, you know, on the West Coast. So they'll have to work out something on the West Coast. That's already a mishkan that's vibrant, that's constant, that's, uh, you know, always adapting to some degree or another. It's not insisting on a precise, rigid, um, what's the right word, sacerdotalism, in which, you know, <clears throat> you can't do it, only the coming can do it, and only in this way and that way. There's room for both in Judaism. And this week's Pasha is all about the sacerdotal part. About the building of the Mishkan and everything was done just so. And it is true that the building of the Mishkan was done the great passion. You can see that from the Parsha because the money was oversubscribed, which, uh, all, after all the jokes are over, is rare. And uh, people were p- happy to give. And, uh, you know, the women went at it with enthusiasm. But once the place was built, there's no room for that individual enthusiasm. A Mishkan is a Mishkan, it's got rules. You know, only this person come here. Somebody's telling me can't go here. Look, we got Pesach around the corner. There's a million... Uh, one of the things you do before Pesach, it, one of the things, not the only thing, is you're supposed to learn about the carbon Pesach. Excuse me. About the carbon Pesach. The, in very practical terms, if you look, the Rambam has a section called Hilchus Chometz Matzah. And that's about the Pesach that you and I do the, nowadays. But the Rambam also has another section elsewhere in the Mishnah Torah called Hilchus Karim Pesach, which is actually very interesting. Actually very interesting. And being the Rambam, it's very well organized. I mean, maybe many of you know what I'm talking about. I assume also it's true many don't. Take a look at Mishnah Torah. This is just a piece of good piece of advice I'm giving you. And since the Rambam is so he goes through his Hilchus Karim Pesach, you see very nicely laid out the rules and regulations. Um, that's a certain way of doing it. Right? It's a certain way of doing it. But then you have, rather, what we do, which is Shabbos, or the equivalent would therefore be a Pesach. You know, in the time of Moshe Rabbeinu, there was no Seder. In the time by Yisrishan, even by Shani part of the time, there's no Seder. Then they invented the Seder. That's how we filled in the area on our own. That's to be a Sulim Migdash. Now, I can't go 
and fight against the text of the Chumash. But it's often seen to me for a long time, if you say, I get that. But in the life you and I live, we don't have basic English. You, you and I live. Isn't it more true? Also, li Shabbos v'shachanti v'socham. I mean, isn't isn't that true? And I'm not speaking spooky wooky or anything like that. V'shachanti v'socham is you know you feel the Jewish presence. I don't want to say the shechina necessarily. You know, not, we're not spiritualists, but you feel invigorated. You know, Shabbos is Shabbos. It's it, it, it's it's different. It's possible to be a novel b'shus Torah, like the Ramban says. But I don't think most of us are. You know, if you have a Shabbos that's worked out in your life, so it's just, it's a lot more than Shesha Shemim Tehasem Locha and then Shabboson Lo Sasem Locha. It's a lot more than the don'ts. It's the do's. The Mishkan was temporary. We've been around for thousands of years, and for a long time we haven't had a base of Mikdash. The Shabbos is not temporary, right? The, Jew, the Jewish people couldn't survive without Shabbos. Even Achad Am, very famously, who was a big atheist, I repeat, atheist. Uh, Mamish atheist. You know, even Hanan famously said that Shabbos has preserved the Jews more than the Jews preserved Shabbos. Or to, in his language in Hebrew, more than the Jews were Shemr Shabbos, Shabbos were Shemr the Jews. You know, he was speaking sociologically. Now, he himself was a living contradiction to that. He thought, the Zionists thought, the cultural Zionist, that you can have a Judaism without Shabbos, all you need is a Mishkan. In his case, the Mishkan was a secular Mishkan called the Land of Israel, State of Israel. We've seen in our time, Eretz Yisrael will not keep you Jewish. I'm all in favor of Israel. Won't keep you Jewish. Um, not if you have Israel without Shabbos. <laughs> right? If you have Israel plus Shabbos, that's a powerful combination. We all know you can't compare... Shabbos, a place in Baltimore or something like that. Shabbos Yushalayim or, or a place like that. Obviously, the atmosphere is totally different. Um, so to try to do one without the other doesn't work. I think that's a very interesting insight. Um, the Torah doesn't lay it out. The Rebbein of Achai suggests, that if, as I understand it, that what Moshe Rabbeinu was saying was, listen, you just made a golden calf. Um... There's some issues over here. For me, to explain to a mass audience, me, Moses, to explain to a mass audience the sublime nature of Shabbos and all of its aspects and the mystical parts and this and that and the other, and the real meaning of the Neshama Yisera and all that business, I'm going to lose the audience. They are fixed on physical things. They are golden calf types. So, in a short run, at least, at least, at least, let's get a Mishkan running. In the Mishkan, you see a physical manifestation of the complexities of the mystical reality. Um, all the different parts of the Mishkan are supposed to correspond to, you know, different parts of the Ruchnius. This is where you pull out one of my favorite books of yesterday. I haven't looked at it in years. Uh, the, Ram, the Ramos Torah Sola. The Torah Sola, which is now with Nakudos. And, you know, he goes through all the aspects of Mishkan, based on Mishkan, and I'll show you each one corresponds to symbolism. And what I mean is, one could, if they live in time of Moshe Rabbeinu afterwards, say, 
Come with me to the Mishkan. Look how the Ohel Mode is situated. Look how the Urios are painted. Look at the way the sockets are done. This represents this. This ties in that. So somebody sees something in physical in front of them, even a Hamon Am person could be educated in that fashion. You see? The Shabbos part is invisible. The Shabbos part more sublime. Moshe could explain it as he said to the Echidei Skula, to the elites. And presumably these elites did not the ones who made the golden calf. So the, I, it seems to me, I can only tell you what it seems to me, that right after the golden calf comes the, the, the Mishkan, in which Moshe says, listen, we got to replace this golden calf with something else of gold. And there are many Chazals that say that the people were happy to give the gold because they felt guilty after giving gold for the golden calf. Now they're happy, I repeat happy, to give to the Mishkan. It's the same idea. It's not an idol, it's using the material in the right way. The materialistic stuff, not in the wrong way, which is represented by the golden calf, but the materialistic stuff in the right way, which is represented by the building of the Mishkan. But when Moshe was holding in reserve, which he couldn't get across to an audience at that time and place, the Rabbeinu Chai is, uh, suggests, was, we have something else also. Vayakel Moshe is called Daspen Yisrael. Eilat Dvar Moshe Tzibashem Lasosasam. Here's the, uh, the the important institutions of Judaism, which will hopefully keep you on the straight and narrow in the future. Before I get to the Mishkan, I want to mention Shabbos. Sheishes Yom Teasem Lacham V'Yom Ashi Yalem Chabbos Kodesh Lo Zavarish B'Chol Mosechim V'Yom Ashabbos. We have an institution called Shabbos. I'm not going to explain it to all of you now because it'd be too hard. Instead, I'll concentrate on on the following. V'Yom Ramashal Kodesh Yisrael Zayat Dabar Shertzi B'Shem Limor Tichu Meichem Trumal Hashem Kol Nadiv Libom. Let's talk practical, let's talk physical, let's talk materialistic. Let's build a building. That everybody could get around. And the hope was, as I imagine, that as time goes on, and people get the idea of Kedusha, and you begin to see the Mishkan, hopefully, not just as a place of whoopee whoopee, but of microcosm, and not just smoke and mirrors, but representing you know, cosmological thoughts, things like that, then you move to Shabbos. Then you move to Shabbos. And Shabbos will be um, even more than the Mishkan because that'll be O.C. Baini Bainahim. You know, it'll be like a, 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 a marriage uh, a charm, uh, a, a token of intimacy. It doesn't say the language of intimacy when it's connected with the Mishkan. It does say that with the Shabbos. Anyway, it strikes me that this is a very interesting juxtaposition this week's partial. Once again, I thank the Landers. I wish everybody will have a good Shabbos this week. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com.